The Productive Woman, Episode 235. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome back if you're a longtime listener. And if you're new, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for joining me. In this episode, we'll be talking about dealing with clutter and finding our own balance between minimalism and convenience. You'll find more information and links in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 235. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks and by University of California, Irvine, Division of Continuing Education. You know, spring quarter is coming up and registration is open at the UC Irvine Division of Continuing Education. If you visit ce.uci.edu slash podcast, you can learn more about what available in terms of courses. And if you enter promo code podcast, you'll get 15% off one course, but that's only if you sign up by March 31st. So if you're listening to this on the day it came out, uh, don't wait. If you're, if you're interested, check it out right away. So that's ce.uci.edu slash podcast and enter the promo code podcast to get 15% off one course. You know, FreshBooks is has been a longtime sponsor of The Productive Woman, and it's a service and a resource that I have counted on for several years, even before they started sponsoring the show. It's a great resource for those of us who have started or are maintaining our own small business. Those of you who are doing that, you know how many pieces there are to making and keeping it successful. It's more than just creating the product or doing the service that you launched the business around. There's business development, finding and keeping clients and customers. There's managing the help you need, whether that's employees or independent contractors. There's making sure you're complying with the laws, of course, And then there's managing the finances, paying the bills, getting paid yourself, taking care of taxes, tracking your hours, if that's part of what you do. All of it can and often does result in the entrepreneur or small business owner working long hours, burning the candle at both ends. So why not make things a little easier if you can? Our friends at FreshBooks have a solution for managing the finances. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. So it's simple, it's intuitive, and keeps you organized when it comes to those receipts that kind of gather everywhere. Uh, FreshBooks allows you to create and send professional looking invoices in 30 seconds right out of their app and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. It lets you file expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And FreshBooks grows alongside your business, providing the tools you need for managing your business finances when you need them 
So you don't have to be an expert in accounting. I encourage you, if you are trying to get yourself organized uh, in your business, and particularly with respect to your finances, that you consider joining the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. You can try it free for 30 days. There's no catch, no credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com woman and enter the productive woman in the how did you hear about us section to get started. All right, let's get right into our topic for this week. I have been thinking a lot about the the uh, decluttering craze that's kind of going on. You know, Marie Kondo, who wrote the, um, what is it, The Magical Art of Tidying Up, has her own Netflix series now. And a lot of people have been talking about it, watching it. I've watched a few episodes where she, you know, goes into someone's home and takes them through her KonMari system approach of decluttering. It's got a lot of people fired up about decluttering, which, you know, as a side thing, makes it a great time to visit thrift shops if you're looking for some finds, because lots and lots of people are getting rid of things as a result of uh, what Marie Kondo's doing. And it got me thinking about that whole thing and, and the value of decluttering and kind of one aspect of that is this idea of minimalism. I think there's so much value in minimizing the amount of stuff we have. But the question kind of came to me, how much decluttering is too much? Is there such a thing as as getting too minimal? And so I thought I'd talk a little bit about clutter, about minimalism, and about convenience and how those things kind of work together. And so first thing I wanted to talk about is clutter and what it is. And we've talked about this in some past episodes. I'll mention some of those later. Uh, But as I was doing some research into what's been written about clutter and its impact on us, I came across a couple of things. There was an article called The Best Decluttering Advice We've Heard, and that was on Huffington Post. And it was interviewing somebody, you know, asking, asking people what's the best advice they've heard. And this, the writer noted this uh, for a, you know, someone that they interviewed, who said, when I ask clients what they long for, the most common responses are peace, space and freedom. Clutter keeps us from achieving these goals. And we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars buying larger homes. And here's what I kind of underlined as I was reading this, what this person said, empty space is more valuable psychologically and physically than almost any object. Interesting thought, the value of having empty space, whether it's, you know, clean, clear countertops, um, uncluttered drawers and cupboards, whatever, the value of empty space, according to this person is is higher than almost any object that we could keep. There are actual impacts. There are effects of physical clutter around us. There are studies that have been cited in a bunch of different articles showing that physical clutter can contribute to uh, lower feelings of well-being, unhealthier eating, poorer mental health, and less efficient thinking. And I will, I'm going to link to several articles talking about some of these studies that have been done on this kind of thing. One article talked about the, the fact that a study found that stress hormones spike when dealing with clutter, especially in women. And the article says, similar to what multitasking does to your brain, physical clutter overloads your senses, making you feel stressed, 
and impairs your ability to think creatively. Uh, so it, it really does have uh, an impact, a physiological and a psychological impact on us uh, as human beings and on our brains. So, you know, something to think about. I'm going to link also in the show notes for this episode to an infographic that I found on 12 surprising ways clutter is ruining your life. It shows a lot of different ways that clutter, you know, ruining your life may be a little bit over exaggerated, but maybe not. It depends on how much clutter you have, I guess. But this infographic shows a number of different ways that clutter decreases both our productivity and our quality of life. And as I said, we've talked about this in some past episodes, and I'll put links in the show notes for this episode to some of the past ones where we've talked about it. So episode 163, we talked about clutter, stress, and simplicity. And in episodes 14 and 16, way back in the day, we talked about conquering clutter and kind of a step-by-step approach to decluttering. Uh, And in episode 83, which this is fun, I hadn't listened to this in quite a while, but Back then, in episode 83, we did an episode called The Art of Decluttering, an international conversation, where uh, I had Priscilla Livinet of France and Julie Sharon Osher, who's now Julie Barraquette, of Israel. And the three of us talked about decluttering. And and Priscilla and Julie are both experts, you know, advocates of organization and simplicity and those sorts of things, uh, time management and productivity type people. And that was a really interesting conversation coming at it from different perspectives. So you might want to check that one out. You know, so okay, we've talked about the impacts of um, clutter. But what is clutter? And I think it's important because this is relevant to things that we'll talk about here in a minute. I think that clutter isn't measured really by the number of items you own. It, it really is in the eye of the beholder, so to speak. If I was going to define what constitutes clutter, I would say it's if you've got more stuff than than can fit into the space you have in a way that you're comfortable with. Uh, you know, so you could have tons and tons of stuff, but if you've got a you know six thousand square foot house, it's not going to feel as cluttered as if you try to fit all that same stuff in a in 1800 square foot house. So it really is a function of your circumstances. It's a function of your attitude, your personality, all sorts of things. Clutter, I think, is contributed to by having lots of things that we don't need and we don't use that don't give us joy, as Marie Kondo would say, um, but that fill up space in our lives and leave less, uh, clear space, you know, thinking back to that, that quote that talks about how empty space is so valuable. Clutter does away with, with empty space and creates the consequences that we've been talking about. There are lots and lots of tools and systems for getting organized, but organizing our stuff can be time consuming. It can be expensive and it might not solve the issue. Um, you know, and so Marie Kondo, among others, recognizes this and her, that's why I think her approach to decluttering, which is getting rid of stuff before you start organizing what's left. That's just very popular right now. Finding is a way to let go of things that aren't serving you and that are creating a cluttered environment that you're not happy with. And so 
again, I think clutter, what constitutes clutter is pretty personal. I mean, you know, we, we can watch the TV shows about hoarders and pretty easily identify that that's kind of over the top. Uh, but less <laughs> below that end of the spectrum, there, there are varying degrees of what constitutes clutter. And I don't know that somebody else can tell you what, whether your house is too cluttered or not, that you're, you, that's going to be a decision you make based on what you're comfortable with. Now, interestingly, you know, we, I mentioned Hoarders, the TV show that we have here in the United States. Um, that's one end of the spectrum. Many people go the other direction from clutter and, and get rid of most of their stuff. And we call them minimalists, or that's one, uh, what we think of when we think of minimalism. There really is kind of a movement out there. There's lots of literature. And, and by literature, I mean, there are books, there are podcasts, there are blog posts, there are articles, and and uh, even a, a YouTube video, or not, not a YouTube, a, a Netflix documentary about minimalism. It, it really is kind of a movement, this idea of scaling down the stuff we own. And I thought it was worthwhile to, you know, we've talked about what constitutes clutter and the varying degrees of that. I thought it would be worthwhile to think about what is minimalism, because I think a lot of us, when we think of minimalism, we think of, you know, people who live in, in homes with bare white walls and white furniture and, you know, nothing on the countertops and not owning very many possessions and maybe living in a tiny home. But that's not, I don't think that's really the definition of minimalism. And so I went to some of the people who are kind of the thought leaders in that area of minimalism to look at what they say. And one of them said, uh, and I'm quoting here from an article on <laughs> appropriately titled, What is Minimalism? And, and this writer said, at its core, minimalism is the intentional promotion of the things we most value and the removal of everything that distracts us from it. It is a life that forces intentionality, and as a result, it forces improvements in almost all aspects of your life. So that's one person's thought about what minimalism is. I, what, what I like about that is it's kind of a positive uh, approach to, you know, I think some of us, when we think about minimalism, we think of it in terms of, of taking away. But what this writer was saying is minimalism is the intentional promotion of the things we most value. So it starts from that, what matters most to us? And we elevate that, we promote it, and then we remove everything that distracts us from those things we value most. And I really like that approach you know, minimalism in this, in that, from that perspective is not about getting rid of things, but being intentional about the things that we have, having things we love and enjoying the things we have. Another person writing about what minimalism is says, while most people are chasing after success, glamour and fame, minimalism calls out to us with a smaller, quieter, calmer voice. It invites us to slow down, consume less, but enjoy more. So it's not about being, you know, living this Spartan existence where you don't you get rid of everything except, you know, one pair of pants and one shirt and one, one bowl, one spoon, and you know, that sort of thing. It's not about getting rid of everything, but it's about slowing down, consuming less and enjoying more the things that we actually have. 
Another person said, minimalism brings freedom from the all-consuming passion to possess. It steps off the treadmill of consumerism and dares to seek happiness elsewhere. It values relationships, experiences, and soul care. I really, really like that, that it's, um, you know, all the stuff that I was reading about what minimalism is, um, really was focusing not so much on getting rid of stuff, but on appreciation of things that matter most and making space for those things in our life. Another writer said, minimalism is about figuring out what you value most in your life and removing anything that doesn't align with that. Um, The writer goes on to say, once you've started living with this idea, you will see that a minimalist lifestyle goes far beyond just decluttering your house. It can be applied to how you spend your time, what kind of consumer you become, what you eat, your finances, and more. And so it's a broader perspective on that. And, you know, we talked in the past about Courtney Carver's book, Soulful Simplicity. And I think a lot of that kind of, a lot of the things that I read in preparing for this episode made me think of the things she talked about in that book. Again, it's not about giving up and getting rid of things, but about really identifying what matters most and making sure we have enough space in our, in our minds, in our hearts and in our homes for those things that matter most. You know, why does it value or why is it valuable? Well, it makes space for what matters most. Um, One writer said minimalism is a tool that can assist you in finding freedom because instead of spending time taking care of the stuff we've accumulated, minimalism or can allow us to give our time, our energy and our attention to the things that matter most to us. And I loved um, one writer talked about uh, some questions to ask ourselves as we kind of undertake this idea of trying to make space for what matters most. And I love this question. How can I expect the things that I really do love or that are useful or important to shine or even be found in a timely manner if they're hidden by a bunch of crap? I thought, well, you know, that's a good question. Um, and, and that's a question when you're, you know, trying to decide what, what am I going to keep? What am I going to get rid of kind of thing the, this writer said, if you hold on to everything or too many things, because everything is special in some way, then really nothing is very special. And that was really thought provoking to me. I have, I have jokingly said, and my husband has said that, you know, everything has sentimental value to me. And I, it's hard for me to get rid of certain kinds of things because of the memories associated with those things. But, you know, I really liked what this person was saying that if we're holding, if everything or too many things are accumulated in our house, because they're all special in some way or another, if everything's special, then nothing is. And I think that's an important thought to keep in mind as we're considering this idea of minimalism as, you know, on the other sort of on the other uh, end of the spectrum from clutter. The the bottom line, as I'm thinking about all of this, uh, this idea of clutter and, and minimalism and kind of where where I fall on the spectrum, I'm realizing more and more that we need far less than we think we do. And this is a hard lesson for me to learn. And I think, you know, we could get into the psychology of why that is. Why do we accumulate so much stuff? Why do we keep so many things? Um, You know, if you you feel like you grew up with not very much, 
then the, all the things that you gather around you maybe have significance in a way that they probably don't need to have. Uh, you know, I think of it in my, in, in my situation that sometimes I keep things, they're a sign that I'm not, um, you know, I'm not the poor child I was at one point, uh, because I can, I have these things and they, they're part of who I am, but they really aren't. They're just things. And even the things that are associated with memories are not the memory itself. You can, you can get rid of the thing and keep the memory. And um, that's something Courtney Carver talks about in her book that I thought was uh, really worth thinking about. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about what's clutter, go the other direction and talk about minimalism or decluttering and all the systems and tools that are out there to help us find where that balance is. And what's the other side, I guess, or the, the, the middle ground maybe between those two. For me, maybe it's convenience. I talked in a recent episode about how choosing and applying uh, productivity systems and tools are very personal choices. It's not always helpful to take a system, you know, any system and apply it whole to your life, kind of paste it over the top of your life, whether it's uh, Marie Kondo's system or something else, or the, the, you know, the broader ideas of minimalism, I think we all need to think about what works for us and the way we live and what matters to us. So personally, I have been slowly working through various areas of my home, um, sorting through things, donating and discarding things that I haven't used for years with a purpose in mind. And that is a goal of creating more clear space in my home and, and frankly, in my mind. But I'm not getting rid of everything. I'm not even getting rid of all the duplicates of things. You know, um, I've read some things that talk about when you're decluttering, if you've got two of something, get rid of one of them. And in many cases, that may be valid, but I don't know that it's necessarily always valid. And the example that came to mind for me was, um, you know, convenience is, is an important part of being efficient and making a, a worthwhile life, making time to do the things you care about. And so, one of the things that I do is I do sometimes keep duplicates of certain kinds of items because it is more efficient and more effective for me to keep things that I need frequently near to where I use them. And so this would be maybe a, an adjustment to the idea of minimalism that I would apply in my life. So for instance, if you find yourself reaching for some convenience item more than once or twice and having to go to another part of the house to get it, consider getting another one to put near where you keep reaching for it. And the example that kind of got me thinking about all this kind of stuff is scissors, simple little thing. Um, you could say, depending on what your space is, maybe you only need one pair of scissors as long as you know where it is and you keep it, you know, keep it handy. But I keep a pair of scissors in lots of places. I have a pair in the, the kitchen. I have a pair of scissors in the laundry room, in the bathroom, in each of our guest rooms. I have a pair in my walk-in closet and in my office. The reason why is when I find myself, uh, you know, doing something like using my teeth to try to break a tag on something in my closet, 
or trying to find something sharp to break the plastic or wrapped around a package. Uh, maybe it's time to think about getting a pair of scissors in that area if I'm always, you know, in, in the closet when I'm uh, untagging a new item of clothing or something. If it happens once, it's no big deal. If it happens only, you know, a couple times, still maybe not a big deal. But by the third time, that I'm wishing I had a pair of scissors in a particular place, I'm going to consider getting another pair to, to keep it in that place. So silly little thing, but there are a lot of things that maybe are like that. And, and would true minimalists, uh, you know, would, if you were applying that system, would you do that? I don't know. My house is very long. And could I walk to the other end of the house to get a pair of scissors? Sure, I should. Uh, or I could, but maybe I, there's no reason to do it. Uh, other examples of that would be, you know, keeping a box of tissues in various rooms of the house, keeping a set of cleaning products under each bathroom sink rather than one set in a centralized location. Having them right there in the bathroom makes it more likely that I'm going to grab them and, you know, clean out the sink or whatever when I think of it. Whereas if I had to walk to another part of the house, I might not do it. So again, I've got the space in my house to do that. And, and so for me, that's not clutter. That's just being more convenient. Other examples, you know, in my house, I keep warm throw blanket type things in pretty much every room of the house where somebody might want to sit and read a book or take a nap or something. I keep them handy for the convenience and for the comfort of the people who live here. But notice when I'm talking about these things, the examples I'm giving of things that I keep duplicates of in various places around the house, these are things in each case that we're actually using. And that's very different from having a cupboard full of, you know, dishes that you never use or a closet or dresser full of clothes we never wear. To me, the question is, is having an extra of whatever this item is actually contributing to a more convenient and comfortable life? Or is it just taking up space? And I, and if it's the latter, then I'm probably going to get rid of it. Other ideas for when duplicates might be a good idea for the sake of convenience, even if you're decluttering and going maybe for a more minimalist approach. Uh, the things that came to mind for me were if you travel frequently or go to the gym regularly, maybe have duplicates of certain items so you can keep your, your gym bag or your travel bag packed and ready to go. Uh, when I was going to the gym two or three days a week to work with a trainer, I actually ended up getting duplicate sets of some of my, you know, skincare and cosmetics so that I didn't have to pack the bag and each day that I went to the gym and then unpack it. I just kept the bag ready to go. So all I had to do was pick it up and, and head out the door. Um, same thing for traveling. I've got, you know, duplicates of certain items, you know, a, a comb for my hair, a toothbrush, different things like that, that I keep in my travel bag um, for, because I travel frequently enough that it's, that's more convenient. It saves me time and prevents me forgetting, you know, to, to pack or unpack something when, when it's needed. So that's one example. Uh, consider having a reasonable number of backups of key essential items to avoid unnecessary trips to the store. 
Um, I heard years ago, somebody, I read this tip somewhere that when you open the last of a certain item, put it on your grocery list and then buy two of them. So you've always got a backup. And I apply that to things like shampoo or paper towels, toothpaste, dish soap, key kinds of things like that. So when you open the last one, as soon as you open open it, you add it to your grocery list but you buy two of them. So you've got a backup there at all times. And you would adjust this idea based on the amount of storage space you have in your particular needs. It's not, I'm not trying to suggest that this, you know, this is a good reason to stockpile endless amounts of everything in the world, but certain key kinds of items. Um, it makes sense sometimes to have backups. Another area or an idea of, of a time when it might be a good idea to have duplicates, even if you're decluttering, uh, is in the area of emergency preparedness. So if you live, as I do, in a you know tornado-prone area, or if you live where hurricanes come, or different things like that, natural disaster-type things, it might make sense to have a reasonable stockpile of certain essentials that you keep in a secure place for emergencies. That's not clutter. That's, um, I guess, being smart and making sure that you're prepared for the emergencies that might come your way. Again, there's a balance there and you're going to find that for yourself, depending on where you are and what, how much of a stockpile is necessary, but it's just something to think about. I guess the idea here is, um, to keep all this in perspective, and and I hope this is making sense as, as I've been thinking about these things over the last few weeks, the idea of clutter and the effects it has on us, uh, the, the kind of craze that's going on right now for decluttering and how that might play out in your life. And then the idea of minimalism and, and getting rid of things, but to highlight and make more space for the things that matter most to you. All of that, whether, you, whether you're a hoarder or a clutterer or a minimalist or whatever, I, I think we need to keep it all in perspective. Those are, they're just kind of approaches to life and approaches to the stuff we have in our life. Uh, but to keep it all in perspective, I, I loved, um, there was a really neat article or an interesting article, I guess, a thought provoking article I read on the downside of minimalism and I'll link to it in the show notes. And I, one of the things the writer said was who we are is more important than what we call ourselves minimalists and hoarders alike, let the focus be on how you treat people and live your life instead of, uh, or in how you live your life instead of how much stuff you have or don't have. So the focus isn't on whether we're keeping stuff or getting rid of stuff, but is what we're doing, making our life better? Are we a better person for it because we're making space in our lives? Or are we a better person because we've got all our neat stuff around us and we're enjoying it? I think that's what matters most. So those are some thoughts. I would love to know what you think. Is your space, uh, whether home or office or wherever, is it more on the cluttered side or on the minimalist end of the spectrum? 
And if you're going for minimalism, what concessions do you make for convenience? I really would be interested to hear uh, your thoughts on this and how this is playing out in your life. Uh, share your questions, your ideas, your approach to how you're handling these things uh, in a number of places in the comments section of the show notes, which you'll find at theproductivewoman.com slash 235. And that's also where you're going to find the links to some of these articles I mentioned, some of the resources uh, that I talked about. You can also post a comment or question on the Productive Woman's Facebook page, or if you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, this is there's that's a great place to talk about these things. I'd love to hear your ideas on it. As always, if you want to share your thoughts with me privately, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I would love to hear from you. Before we go, a word about our sponsor, University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education. You know, many of us have goals that involve additional education, whether we're trying to uh, prepare for a new career, uh, advance in our current job, or just learn something new. The University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education is here to help us achieve those goals. So if you're trying to build a company or develop a better appreciation of the world around you or start a new career, whatever it is you're wanting to do that would involve more education, the UCI Division of Continuing Education has those resources available to support you in that. They offer programs in a wide variety of categories all across the spectrum. They offer online courses that are taught by expert instructors with industry experience, which offer flexibility and a real immersive online classroom experience including things like getting to collaborate with your peers on projects. UC Irvine is ranked among the top 50 universities nationally in the United States, and it ranks 10th among all public universities in a U.S. News and World Report annual college survey. Uh, More than 30,000 students are enrolled, and these are students from around the world each year, enrolling in courses through the UCI Division of Continuing Education. Um, They offer hundreds of exciting courses and programs and ways for you to advance in your career or develop yourself uh, intellectually in in just a few months. Spring quarter is coming up. Registration is open right now. Visit ce.uci.edu slash podcast to find out what the options are, what uh, sorts of courses they're offering. And if you enter promo code podcast, you'll get 15% off one course. So that's ce.uci.edu slash podcast. And there is a link in the show notes for this episode. If, you can, if you're driving, you can't remember that. Just go to, you know, to the show notes for the episode and, you'll, and scroll down to the bottom. You'll see the link there. Uh, ch- check out what the courses are and remember to enter the promo code podcast to get 15% off one course. But remember, this offer is only valid till 11.59 p.m. on March 31st. So there's no time to waste. 
check it out today and let them know the Productive Woman sent you. And for help in managing your business's finances, remember to try FreshBooks cloud accounting software. Go to freshbooks.com woman to start your 30-day all-access free trial and be sure to enter the Productive Woman in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And thank you so much to FreshBooks and UC Irvine for supporting the Productive Woman. And that, my friends, is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. As always, I am so grateful to you for spending this time with me. I hope you feel like it was worthwhile. I hope that you found something in this that encouraged you or made you think or gave gave you something that you can put into practice in your own life. I'd love to hear about it if you did. So do, you know, shoot me an email or something and let me know. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember... Extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.